You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Yeah. Welcome back. You are with Counterculture. I am Marie here on RCR, and with great pleasure, I introduce you to Ali Marie Diamond from Wahine Toa Rising, survivor, leader, and co-founder. Good morning, Ali. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's so great to finally chat to you. Ellie was introduced to me by uh, Denise Ritchie. Many of you may remember the interview I did with Denise about a month or so ago from Stop Demand, a really powerful interview. If you haven't had a chance to hear that interview, all you need to do is go to realitycheck.radio, click replace, then go to my page and you will find that interview there. Wahine Rising. Denise alluded to it, but explain to our listeners what it is and what space you're working in currently. It was co-founded in 2019, so just before COVID. We founded it because we saw a really strong need to have an organisation in New Zealand that supported women and young people um, and look, everybody, but I say I, I will refer to women and young people because it is majority of women who need support to either exit the sex trade or to support them while they're in the sex trade. I think the only organisation in New Zealand that does a lot of that work is NZPC. And we just felt that we needed to have another voice in there. Yeah, because, I mean, NZPC worked, I mean, 20 years since the decriminalisation of prostitution. I mean, gosh, where does that go? But what I hadn't realised when I spoke to Denise was the differences between legalisation and decriminalisation. And in a way, decriminalisation, as far as the sex industry is concerned, literally created the Wild West. A lot of these people, especially these vulnerable women and children, are actually in a way almost more at risk post-decriminalisation. Is that what you're seeing with the work you do? Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely believe that that women need to be decriminalised. That is not an argument. But full decriminalisation legalises everybody. So legalises the pimps, the people who are profiting from women and young people, everyone. So in some ways we still have a modern-day slavery and it's the the vulnerable ones that are most at risk, women and children of colour, um, women and children who are living in poverty, women and children in homelessness, women and children who are leaving domestic violent relationships, women and children who have experienced sexual abuse. These are the, the women and children who are falling through the cracks and that's incredibly heartbreaking. Hmm. What are some of the calls that you get in terms of help? So how does that manifest? What does that look like when someone reaches out to you through Rahini Tōrōising? So it's tough. So we are a fairly new organisation, as I said, 2019. So we do not work on any, we have no funding whatsoever. We work purely from a a volunteer and harder service perspective. Um, We are all survivors. This is why we do what we do. Um, But when calls come in, it's, it's heartbreaking and these are women who and some men too these are people who are who are desperate they're they're desperate to get out they don't want to be doing this anymore they need support with housing and um, some need support with uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation and counseling and they need a bubble of love around them and it's 
it's hard um, when we don't have the resources to be able to do that and we need to be able to refer them to other people. Mm. But the scary thing is I have tried to find organisations that we can we can refer women to for these sorts of help and they say to me, I'm really sorry but um, that's sex work and we're not funded for that. We're only funded for sexual violence and we're not funded for sex work. It sounds a little bit like, I, I mean, I know you're not based in New Zealand, but there's a commercial for TSB that was on several years ago and it was a taxi driver and someone saying, I want to go to such and such street. And they're like, no, we only do avenues and lanes. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, a victim is a victim is a victim. Yeah. Surely if, they, if, they, if they've gotten to that point where they've reached out for help, you'd want to be able to help them. Yeah. Is, and I mean, is that in New Zealand where you're striking this or are you striking this everywhere? This is a new, it, look, it's everywhere. It's mm. everywhere at the moment. It, it's so frustrating because all I'm coming up across is sex work is the work. There's no funding for that. It's not sexual violence. Oh, it's Sometimes I, I can't get my head around it. Like I, mm. I, I'm saying these women are coming to us. They want to get out. They feel like they're being raped every day. They feel like they're still living this um, sexual abuse that they've been raised with or that they've lived through. They need help. They yeah. want help. Where do we get them help? We can't. There's no help. They say, we went to NZPC and they said to us, it's okay, look, it, it's like a job. You, you just need to go take a break, have a bit of a holiday, and then come back. Well, that's not really helpful, is it? When we refer to that acronym, we're referring to the Prostitutes Collective, correct? Yep. Are they living in this paradigm of a happy hooker, Julia Roberts, pretty woman type scenario? Yep. Is that what they believe yep. they've created? I, I don't know what they believe they've created. I, I can't get my head around it. Like, seriously. I don't know. Have you seen? They have a handbook. They have a handbook that they give women who go to them. I should send you a copy. Have you seen it? No. Oh, I, I need to send you a copy. You'll be flabbergasted. You, you'll be completely flabbergasted. Things in there like um, how to give head jobs without gagging and choking, how to, get, how to take anal without being injured. If you're in an emergency or you're in trouble, put a whistle around your neck and blow it in their ear and scream fire because if you scream anything else, nobody's going to come. And this is what we're calling work. I don't know any other job that's like this, but well, okay. And, that, and that's the thing with decriminalisation, isn't it? Because if it were legalised, it would fall under not only all the taxation elements, but it would fall under all the health and safety elements as well. But decriminalisation, it slips through all of those regulatory cracks. Yeah. Does it not? I think it. I think it is. Look, I'm not very political. I'm. I'm a survivor, so I'm. Mm. Um, I, I purely come from a place of not wanting to see anybody else go through what I went through. But I'm pretty sure it already is under health and safety. Right. Um, but from my understanding, and don't quote me from, but from my understanding, there's only been a couple of health inspections in Brussels. And what do they do? I, I mean, I don't understand. Do they go in there? And it, it would be more. I guess the health and safety would be: Are you using condoms? Are you using dental dams? I'm I'm blown away by the amount of funding that the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective gets because I'm like, can we not use that funding for support services to prevent mm. women being killed in prostitution and prevent women being abused in prostitution and prevent trafficking that mm. supposedly we don't have, but we know we do. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I've written down here abusive relationships. I mean, there would be a lot of women who have been raised in abusive family and whānau relationships where when they transition to sex work, same shit, different day. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you break that cycle? Definitely not by full decriminalisation. There has to be accountability. Men need to have accountability. So if you're saying to men, do not hit your women, do not rape them, do not abuse them, but you know what, if you go pay for it, then that's okay. So we're sending a lot of mixed messages really to men. And I think to myself, it's no wonder that New Zealand's domestic violence rates are at, at an all-time high and, you know, and strangulation and, and all these other other things that are happening. And there's been, you know, you can Google the newspapers and articles and um, you can Google now prostitution in New Zealand and it, there's lots of articles now about, you know, women and strip clubs who are not being heard and who are being abused. Recently, there was a, a ex-member of parliament that was running a um, high-end escort agency and had a lot of women who were complaining about the work safety and um, how they were being treated. There was a homeless women who were in the hotels because they had nowhere to go and gangs were coming in and raping them and trying to prostitute them in exchange for drugs and other things. So there's heaps of stories out there at the moment. Um, the girls that were trafficked recently, you know, up north, that there's so many stories out there and yet New Zealand Prostitutes Collective and the government is saying, yes, full decriminalisation is working. And also where you barely see these stories in the media. It's crazy. Because it's not politically expedient for them to talk about it. I mean, what do I know that Denise was saying she's seen a shift in the time that she's been doing her work. She said once upon a time ago, she put out a press release. She said, I don't do it very often. I put out a press release. It would get picked up. She said, I'd do a series of interviews and I'd get my message out there and then, you know, we and keep doing the work. She said this time around with the anniversary, she said crickets. You could have driven a truck through the space left because there was nothing shaking. She said, and that's been quite a shift, which is concerning because it's almost monkey see, monkey do, isn't it? If you don't see see it and you don't hear about it, therefore you don't need to speak about it because it's not happening. But that's certainly not the case from what you're saying. It's not. This because I'm sure Janice can speak to this too. There's children being pimped by, you know, families in Manukau City. There was a whole, um, they tried to call for a review because of the children that were there. You know, we have an organisation in New Zealand called ECPAT Alert New Zealand, so E-C-P-A-T, ECPAT Alert New Zealand. They have records and records and um, stats and figures of the child sex trafficking that is currently happening in New Zealand. And I think to myself, what's what's going on? And then I think to myself, is it because they're coloured? If we had a, you know, a little, uh, a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old white girl on the side of the street who looked like she came from quite an affluent, you know, community Mm. who was being pimped out, there'd be an uproar. We'd see it all over the media, the news. It would be everywhere. Well, see, I'm actually wondering whether it would, only because they probably in some perverted, crazy way would think that that was okay. And the only reason I say that is that have you seen the furore in recent weeks here about a new children's book that has been released targeted at 8 to 11-year-olds called What is Sex? No. Oh, right. You send me the the, um, the PC guide. I will send you a link for this. 
It is literally like that guide. It's what is sex. It is a picture book for eight to 11 year olds explaining everything from how to to do fingering and and manual stimulation. Yes, anal sex, how to use condoms, plus pictures, everything. And their attitude is, is like, no, no, this is an important educational guide. So this book is to go into school libraries. What are they doing? Well, and this is the thing. What We're is grooming your... our children for? Oh, so that is grooming. This, I mean, is this grooming? Because for me, by normalizing the sex acts to children that young, so I'm not a prude. I'm not. I'm not saying that no. adults can't have healthy, fulfilled sex yeah. lives. But eight to eleven year olds, yeah. To me, that's a line that's been crossed. It's definitely been crossed, and we want our children to grow up with healthy attitudes to have healthy sex lives. We don't want to be raising our children in a time where, you know, where sex is, the violence of sex is normal. Like I don't want my child to to grow up thinking sexual violence is normal and that's a part of a healthy sex life because that's almost like what that book is doing, right? Mm. It's saying sexual violence. I feel, oh, (laughs) It is a real concern. Like it's part of the reason I took this job on, and why my show is on culture, is because I've seen a dismantling, yeah, of all these structures and pillars of Western civilization. And one of those is the pillar of the family. As a survivor, destruction and degradation of the family, particularly absent fathers or men. I mean, we know that the majority of sexual abuse occurs within homes where the victim knows the perpetrator. So how do we regain that? And if and by dismantling those structures, all you're doing, I would have thought, would be exacerbating this problem, not fixing it. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it's exactly what we're doing. We're almost giving permission for it to happen. We're, we're enabling the behaviour. We're encouraging the behaviour. We're giving permission for, to, for people to be predators and and violent you know um violent men and sexual deviants and pedophiles and we're giving them a golden ticket Mm. i asked denise about this porn what influence do you think porn and the accessibility to porn makes today oh it's crazy so porn like i you know i haven't been um in the sex industry for a while but even back then we you know we used to have those seedy little video stores, you know, underneath the massage parlors. So I used to work at, at La Cherie down there on Fort Lane um, and there was a little video store that was downstairs. And I remember we used to have to go down there to assist the men while they were watching porn to get them off. So, yeah, mm. it, was, it was disgusting. Um, you'd walk in there and it was like this musty, disgusting smell of, you know, stale cum and sweat and BO and you know, it was gross. But now porn is really accessible. So back then men would come into the parlour and they would be like, they would expect you to be the porn star that was on the video. That's what they wanted. That was their fantasy. Back then porn, even though it was bad, was pretty mild compared to what porn is now. Like it's Mm. only gotten worse as the years have gone by. And now it's more accessible. Anyone can get hold of it. Kids can get hold of it. You just, you know, you can type something into Google and it'll just come up. I think one of the worst search engines is Bing. You type something in there and it's just porn. Porn comes up. Crazy. It's just too accessible. But now boys, young boys think that that's what women want. 
that's not what women want. No. <laughs> women do not want that. <laughs> but that's normal now mm. from a male perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I worry about our boys. Mm-hmm. I, I read, I'm, I've got two teenage boys and yep. I worry that our boys are being emasculated that many don't have strong male role models. And as you said, things like porn are incredibly accessible and that is where they're taking their learnings from. How important do you think having good, strong, solid men are in fixing this problem? It's really, really, really important. And I think I would love to see more men coming on board and standing up for women and children and saying, no, this this behaviour, this is not who we are. You know, we we're better than this. This is not um, this is not healthy. And because the more men that come forward, I guess, then they become the role ma- role models. Over here, we have, and I would recommend talking to him as well. Over here, um, we have an amazing young man. His name is Daniel Principe. So P R I N C I P E. I think it is. I can send you his contact details. Mm-hmm. Um, he is incredible. He's a young man who was affected by pornography and he now um, travels from school to school talking to young boys and girls about pornography, um, healthy sexual attraction, consent especially, healthy relationships. And he's doing some amazing work around educating our kids around what is healthy and acceptable and what is not so healthy and acceptable. Mm. That's what we need, more of Mm. them. Because the difficulty with decriminalisation, of course, is it reduces a woman or a young man in sex work to nothing short of a product, an yeah. item. Yeah, a slave. So in Northern Territory, when I went up, I went up to Northern Territory to, to speak because they were adopting full decrim because everyone follows the New Zealand model. Everyone thinks the news, all across the world, they think the New Zealand model is the perfect model. And I went to Northern Territory and I was sitting in the room while they were having the community hearing. Nothing was being reported, but they were just having a conversation amongst themselves. And they went, you know what, we've already decided that we're adopting full GCRIM. That's not the argument. What we need to work out now is how do we advertise the product without offending anybody? Oh, gosh. Women are not products. No. We are not. We're human beings. We are not a product. Many of the guests that I have are really involved in, um, well, for to use the other side's derogatory term, the TERFs, and they are literally wanting to stand up for biological women. And I've never been particularly feminist in my 50-plus-plus years. Yeah. However, what I have certainly seen is I think women are under attack more than we've ever been in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Is there a downward filter for what's happening in the space in regards to the gender warfare that's going on to what's happening in the space in terms of sex work and sex industry? Yeah, I I just think that as women we're becoming, and I don't want to say powerless or voiceless because I am far from powerless and voiceless, but society is definitely trying to push us down. I feel like almost back to the old days, you know, when women used to walk so many steps behind their men and they'd be at home cooking and cleaning and raising kids while men were at work and women were obedient and, you know, and submissive. And I feel like in some ways society is trying to 
push us back to those days? I don't think so. We, we can't. The only way we stop that is by women uniting together and starting to make a stand, and I think that that's, that's all we can do. See, that's the trouble with that traditional relationship, isn't it, is that a lot of women are actually quite happy to do that. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to cook and clean because, yeah. you know, I, I probably cook better than, I mean, I'm not married anymore. That, that probably says a lot, but anyway. But I'm happy to cook and clean, but don't think that that's all I'm worth. Exactly, yeah. Like I, I have a lot more to give to the world than just cooking and cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Northern Territory, because so for people that haven't, I should have actually said this sooner. You are actually based in Australia, in the Northern Territory. I mean, that is a very isolated rural state, yeah, with one major city, which you know really is quite provincial. Uh, Darwin, I think, has still got very much a provincial mindset, doesn't it? Yeah, it also has a very very high Aboriginal population. How do they feel about all of this? Because I know surely the experiences you've seen with Māori and Pacifica women in New Zealand, the alarm bells that will be ringing for those populations in the Northern Territory. So in the Northern Territory, there's, and you can read about it, you can actually look it up, there is a group of people up there who live in the long grasses um, and you would be gobsmacked that it's like a pocket of a third world country in Australia, so they they make their own shelters, no running water, no toilets. Um, they're called the long grass people, so that's where they live in the long grasses. Um, and then they have the long grass women. The long grass women call themselves resource gatherers. And what that what happens is men come along and they pick them up and they take them for sex, and then they pay them with alcohol or cigarettes, clothing for the children, food whatever resources they need to take home to their family. And then they go home to their family after they get dropped off and their husbands take them or their partners and then they're given to the other men in the village to be raped. And and this is their life. I I just, I'm gobsmacked. I, I don't know, I feel so powerless. Like every day I feel so powerless because... There's so few people speaking up for for our most vulnerable for our most vulnerable communities. There's so few people speaking up, and I, yeah, I it breaks my heart every day, and I don't know. Um, the sad part about that, though, is I guess there is a sector of society that would say, "Oh, yes, but that's their choice." That by altering or changing that, that is disrupting the cultural norm. That yeah. would be racist. You can't do that. It's racist not to do anything. That's what I I reckon. It's racist and discriminatory to stand by and do nothing. And, you know, it's that whole thing, you know, if I can't see it, then it's not happening. Mm. Don't Mm. show me. I don't want to look at it because then if I I can't see it, it's not there. Mm. And it reminds me of when I was a child growing up, you know, and I was... I was raised in what I call a cult. It was they were called the Worldwide Church of God, and there was a lot of sexual abuse um, happening within the within the church. And it often reminds me of that. You know, I remember telling them, you know, this man is doing this to me, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's not happening. You must be encouraging it, or it's in your head, or you're making things up, or you know, it would always get swept under the carpet. No, no one wanted to know about it. it was was too hard to face or they didn't believe it um, 
or whatever it was, but no one wanted to look at it and they just sweep it under the carpet, sweep it under the carpet. It's almost like we're, yeah, I don't know, going backwards. Mm. And whenever you get organised groups like that, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, not all men are predators, but no. if you have got a predator, and I had done an interview just recently with a guy who deals in cluster B personality disorders and how it only takes one person with one of those disorders, so something like narcissistic personality disorder or psychopathy or histrionic personality disorder or disassociative personality disorder to actually come into a space, a group or an organisation and completely turn it on on its head. So they are the obviously the charismatic cult leader or the one that will suck people into their orbit and convince them that it's all going to be okay. And with that power comes abuse. And I think that is time that's immemorial, like isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely my ex-partner to a T. Yeah, and he's uh, um, very, very violent. But, um, yeah, it's I get really lost because I just don't know. We just need more people, mm. more people on board, more conversation. I love that you're having a conversation because it means when people have conversations, it means people care. And when people care, it means we have some hope. You know, if no one's having conversations, then that's when, you know, I guess all hope is lost. Yeah. So then if people are hearing this conversation and they're thinking, you know what, I know someone that needs help or I have been in this situation and I've been looking for a way to reach out and help, how do they do that? They ring, They get in contact. So jump on our Facebook page or um, and just send, flick me a message. It's only me who gets the messages. Um, so flick me a message and then I give them a call straight away to have a chat with them. And it could be someone who just needs to ring and chat at midnight. And that's okay. And it could be midnight my time, and that's okay. That's I, I'm there to listen. People in and out of the sex trade, and I say everybody. I mean, when I started this organisation, uh, you know, the pro lobby and a lot of other people, I wasn't very political. I had no idea um, about politics. All I knew was that um, I had led a pretty horrific life and ended up in the sex trade in, in Auckland, and um, I did not want. Uh, another person to ever have to go through the pain that I went through um, and the pain that I still go through now at 50 years of age. Like I've been out of the sex trade for 30 years but not out of the sex trade. So my mind, my emotions, my mental health is still very much still there um, and I don't want anyone else to have to go through that that pain and that hurt. We're not a Christian organisation. We're not a um, a red feminist organisation. We're that um, we have a collective of survivors. One is a man, a gay man. We are all inclusive, not not exclusive. Um, everyone has a story, like everybody. Even those who support full decriminalisation, those women still have a story. Um, and that's what we're here for, is to listen and, and be there for them and give them support and surround them in love and regardless of where they are on that on that um yeah, structure. So, mm. Yeah. Well, Ellie, this has been a real privilege to chat to you. As she said, uh, look out Wahini Tour Rising, look out for the Facebook page if you want to reach out, or if you have any, if you need a link sent to them, um, you're gonna send me some stuff as well. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, and I'm going to oh, yes, I'll, I'll put, oh, write a note down yeah. to get to get that and, across and the to book, you. I think, 
The book's called Stepping Forward. So, yeah, you'll be an eye-opener. Mm, so we'll get on to that. Uh, if you have any It'll questions. a conversation then... for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I know. Denise and I are going to set a date to talk about porn at some point. I get all the fun topics on the show, I tell you. Um, <laughs> you keep listening here with Gandhi Culture. Still more great information news. Marty, of course, is still yet to come uh, here on RCR. You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reality Check Radio. Radio.